Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Uh, welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Amy Tenery with a uh, special edition of the podcast this week. I'm joined by Derek Schiller, who is president and CEO of the Atlanta Braves, and Mike Plant, who is president and CEO of Atlantic Braves Business Development. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great. Just clinched the NL East a little over a week ago. Feeling, feeling good? Feeling really good. Yeah. yeah. Especially because most people didn't predict that we were going to be here. That's not what we thought, but uh, right. we love to prove them wrong this year. Excellent. No. Yeah, I'd say we're feeling better than those four teams playing today as well. Yes. It's so <laughs> a good feeling to have. Yeah, and definitely better than the, uh, the Mets over the weekend <laughs> yeah. playing. Um, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here today because I know that about a year and a half ago, you guys opened up uh, the gates to SunTrust Park, a gorgeous $672 million stadium um, and the adjacent Battery Atlanta. Kind of wondering to hear a little bit about now that it's been about a year and a half that you've gotten to sort of get the feel for what the fans think of it, what the community thinks of it. What have been your takeaways? Sure. So this is our, as you rightfully said, it's our second full season of operation of SunTrust Park. Uh, It's about a 41,000 seat facility. It's state of the art in every way. Uh, But We've had now, with the completion of this regular season, of course, we'll play playoff games and have more people, but we'll have over 5 million people that have come through the gates in just those two years, two seasons. Uh, and and the, the response from our fans has been overwhelmingly positive. You know, it's, it's a ballpark that's easy to get around. There's a lot of amenities to it, whether you're coming there as a family. About half of our crowd are families coming with kids in tow. Uh, and there's a certain percentage also that really like the amenity-driven way to experience professional sports venue. In our case, we have about 4,000 seats with lots of different amenities, clubs. You can even valet park your car, um, and they've got all sorts of different amenities that are fun for them. There's a, there's a zip line in our ballpark for kids. There's a climbing tower. There's great food and beverage. We've got a, a brewery with on-site beer being brewed here. So the response has been great, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so you were talking about amenities. Do you feel like as ballparks are getting more modern, there's more pressure to kind of create an experience beyond the game itself? You know, I, I think the uh, the architect who we use for the ballpark um, is a company called Populous. They're out of Kansas City. They do a lot of stadium sports architecture. They actually coined this term. I think it's very relevant. Um, they said when you design ballparks, when you design um, sports venues, you have to most think about having lots of different neighborhoods inside of one bigger uh, venue. And so using SunTrust Park, each little area has different neighborhoods to it. So, you know, a carryover from Turner Field being one of those neighborhoods is the Chop House. We've got not only what was the Chop House, a great gathering area for, you know, that younger crowd drinking beer and hanging out socially, but we also have refrigerated uh, drink holders, for example, for them. We've got a, 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 a story on the Chop House that's actually a lower level. It's on field level. You can look through the chain link fence. It's a hospitality space. So you're right there a few feet from Nick Markakis playing right field. Lots of these neighborhoods. And then certainly Mike can, can speak about the broader entertainment experience, which actually goes outside of the ballpark. Yeah, sure. So maybe talk a little bit about that, you know, the 
Battery Atlanta, I know it was a huge undertaking. You had a partnership with Comcast. How did, how did that really come about? Well, I mean, for us, it started in 2003 when we both joined the team and, and Turner Field, great, you know, place, uh, transition to, from the Olympic Stadium to a baseball stadium that had 20 years of incredible memories and history that we were able to take with us now at SunTrust Park. But we had, we had 40 acres of parking lot and there was no reason for our fans or visitors to come there other than going to games. And we saw that as a huge void for our organization, um, both from a fan standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. We saw, saw an opportunity. So um, lo and behold, you know, we were able to create this destination. We've transformed that entire part of Metro North, Metro Atlanta, found an incredible piece of land that was sitting there for three decades because no one thought you could really build on it because there were three major pipelines going right through the middle of it next to two major arteries and closer to our core fan base. And so... You know, we, um, we had that vision and we were able to create that public-private partnership on the ballpark side, knowing that we were always going to create this destination, this mixed-use, small little city. And um, the thing I think we both underestimated is that it chewed up a good part of our life for four years, but we built two, I bet. And, yeah, we built two and a half million square feet in 30 months, basically. Yeah. So how do you balance the pressures of designing this, um, you know, an enormous, as you say, like a little mini city, basically, and keep fans happy when they're, you know, maybe leaving behind a ballpark they've grown to love? You know, as a as a New Yorker who saw the transition from Shea to City Field, I can tell you there were a lot of Mets fans who were initially not thrilled at the idea of saying goodbye to Shea. So, um, and and now, I mean, the reception to City Field has been largely positive. So how do you take that into account when you're designing this facility? Well, when you, when you work in the world of sports, what you want more than anything else is you want your fans to have an emotional connection to their product, right? And that starts certainly with the, the on-field product, that being the, the players and the team itself. Um, but certainly, if you've developed memories for people, most of those hopefully being watching great moments of your team. In the Braves' case, we had 14 straight division championships, some of which which occurred in actually the facility uh, before uh, Turner Field and some after. You, you, you want that emotional connection to be there. And so rightfully so, I think there was a little bit of hesitation, maybe a little bit of worry and wonderment about what that was going to be. But one of the things that, that Mike and I and the rest of our team really set out to do was create that overall experience that we knew was going to be much better. Um, and we knew it, it was probably going to take them experience for them to truly get beyond that emotional connection that they may have had before. And, and, and I think we can say at this point in time, anybody who had experienced the product previously, that product being Turner Field or even Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, the, the predecessor, versus what they experienced at SunTrust Park, it's a, it's, a, it's a world of difference. There's things to do before and after the games. There's bars and restaurants to visit. There's, you know, this veritable city. There's a hotel that's right adjacent that overlooks, uh, you know, some of those rooms overlook the ballpark. There's, you know, people working there. It's vibrant. It's it's a destination um, beyond the 81 regular season baseball games and certainly um, becomes that bigger of a destination during the ball games itself. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing I would add to that is is then, you know, replace it with something that's just not just better but because it's new, but much, much better. And the battery has certainly done that. And, and you know, parking, for example, we were we have 9,000 less seats, but we've got almost 5,000 more parking spaces. That was a problem for us at Turner Field. Access, a real problem. Number one reason our fans didn't come to more games was because of traffic issues and lack of access. Yeah. We've, we were able to fix all that. And so that very quickly 
first game experience for just about everyone we talk to or have heard from is wow you know you just you hit it out of the park on this one it's just so much of a better experience yeah and i mean i and i don't want to compare apples and oranges but i think you know if you look at like nassau coliseum for example that was their number one problem was right yeah. it could take you like an hour and a half just to get yeah. out of this team after, yeah. the, after the game so that definitely does sound like something that's more of a priority um Maybe we can kind of uh, rewind a little bit back to when you were conceiving of this, um, not only stadium, but this sort of uh, multi-use property. When you were kind of pitching this to, you know, the rest of the club, um, yeah. what was the reception? Were they saying, wait, wait a second, we're going to build this $672 million stadium and then now also uh, a, a small town? <laughs> you know? no, was there a little bit of trepidation and, and did you have to convince them or was everybody really on board at the same time? You know, I'd, I'd go back a little, even a little further than that. I mean, we knew in 2013, we, we, was, we were getting to decision time. Our lease was up at the end of 16, so that would be our last season. We started discussions with City Hall and the mayor, gave them four different options. One was we'll leave, which was never an option for us. Um, you know, we weren't going to go to another state, but, but you have to put it all on the table. We didn't own that facility. Like any facility, after 20 years, your house, our house, apartment, whatever, they need new carpet, paint, and you know, refrigeration. And, sure. and so it, it was time to, to, to spend some money to upgrade a facility also if we were going to renew our lease. And, so, um, and then the other thing was we wanted to build a mixed-use development. We wanted to create that destination year-round, 274 in addition to our 81 game or 91 games. What are, what are we doing? How do we drive people here? And, you know, long story short, one day maybe someone writes a book, we were right in the middle of it, it won't be us, um, but it's, um, we just couldn't come to an agreement. So we had to look at our other options. And fortunately, we created a great, unbelievable public-private partnership with Cobb County. Tim Lee was the chairman, he was the leader. He saw that this incredible investment and opportunity, not just on the ballpark, because that's, that's where the public participation is. He trusted and knew that our club and our team had this vision and that uh, we were going to build this incredible destination. And when we took it to Liberty and our leadership, they got it right away. They saw it right away. They trusted us, obviously, that we were going to get this done, and we're pretty proud that we did. But this, this, this all, I would also add, it, it represents a completely new economic model for sports. And, and you know, one of the things that we're very proud of is, is really you're, you're somewhat reinventing the professional sports business, you know, historically, maybe even going back 100 years, the professional team sports business has been largely the same. You sell tickets, so you drive your revenues off of ticket sales, some of the ancillaries that come once people get there, right? The concessions and merchandise and things like that, parking, stuff like that. You've got corporate partnerships, so the sponsors, the advertising's on the wall and whatnot. And then you, and you have things like broadcasting, which represent a pretty big chunk of that. So television and radio broadcasts, the availability of, of having your games out there into the media. This is that additional revenue stream. And and the, this is the Battery Atlanta. It's a mixed-use development that has a whole other return on investment. So the way in which we um, came to be on this is that by being owned by Liberty Media, a public company with you know financial discipline, is that this had to be a financially disciplined and have a return on investment type of model, right? And, and We've now proven after just two years that that model is actually over-delivering upon where we thought we'd be now. And if you project this forward, we think that the, uh, the future is extremely bright for us, so much so that we've had about 100 teams that have come in and studied this from all across the world wow. and look at that, this, this model and say, you know, how did you guys do this? What did you do? 
you know, what does this mean for the future of sports? It's really a, an innovative concept for the future of professional team sports. And then I'd add, I mean, we're already in the phase two, which is another $300 million a piece of our development. So we're, we're just finishing so up phase one. Even more. We're expanding even more. We're starting construction in 30 days. And um, I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story, though, is the, um, I remember, you know, the confidence and trust that the Liberty guys had in us. But and when we took the, the concepts and numbers and they saw how it was it was pretty fully built out and and but then eventually they got to the point of saying hey a couple of these baseball guys are running this billion dollar Perino project and the board came to Atlanta for the first time ever during our 20s our last season at Turner Field had never been to Atlanta and we're in a in a, a, a suite before the game and that and about half the board members were asking Derek and I so have you guys started construction on this project? And he and I looked at each other and said, because the next day they were going to go out to the site, and we were like, oh, boy, wait till they see this. <laughs> at that point, we had 15 cranes in the air, and, I mean, we were building the city. So it, yeah. it blew them away, but they walked away from there saying, I guess these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, sure. You yeah. already yeah, yeah. You already had things in place. So yeah. you were just, just to back up a little bit, you are talking about sort of the public-private partnership aspect of this. Yeah. Is there like an added layer of stress and pressure when you're when you're dealing with public bonds and and that sort of political angle and how do you really manage that as as an organization? Yeah, you know, look, we did this very differently. It's never been done anywhere in America. One, building both these things at the same time in a unbelievable part, you know, amount of uh, lack of time. We're we're sitting here proud of our entire organization. We built everything ahead of schedule and under budget. And that's because the private side was able to control all this. Working with the public side, um, you know, it was in four months we basically created that public-private partnership, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a referendum. Didn't go to a vote, you know. Um, it was a vote of five board of commissioners that they had to believe in us, they had to believe in the project, they had to believe in the numbers, but they also realized right from the start, it doesn't pencil out on paper just paying a, and creating a public-private partnership for a sports facility. They're tax exempt, first of all. So you lose a big stream of, uh, of revenue, obviously. But the fact that we're building a $700 million mixed use development, that's how it helps support that. And that's what's happening with the fiscal impact today. Um, I wouldn't, I never stressed about it. I mean, one, we had that partnership right from the start, and we really gave them involvement in one decision, and that was uh, selecting the general contractor for the ballpark. And the rest of it was all us. And then you got to have confidence in yourselves and your team. And we did. Mike's, Mike's better than me. I stressed about it. And I guess my, 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 <laughs> yeah. my, my stress, you know, it goes back to that emotional connection concept that we were talking about. When fans have that emotional connection, you know, so does the media, right? So the media comes in and they, they cover this. And um, media, all due respect to you who I'm sitting across from, media is not always, you know, the most um, convinced of what you say. And they don't necessarily believe in what you say. They don't believe in the in 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 the aspirations of what you're trying to achieve. And and uh, so there's a lot of pondering out there in the in the media. I'm sure. saying that kindly, of course. And 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 um, you know the the challenge for us during that period of time, that ramp up while we're in those construction phase, we got those 15 cranes up in the air, and this thing hasn't yet built, hasn't yet opened. Is you know are we losing that connection with the media and thus with the fans? as we go through this. Uh, I think now again, when they come there and they see what we've done, and now having seen the first iteration of a fiscal impact study that shows the return on investment, 
if you live in Cobb County, which is the area of town that this this falls in, a municipality that we did the public-private partnership with, and and you're a taxpayer, you're now saying, man, this is this is really working. And in fact, especially if you're somebody who's interested in improving the school system, you know, there's 15 million plus dollars that are going to improve and go to the Cobb County schools, Marietta City Schools. It's it. This is this is a significant benefit. Uh, to them in that regard. And, and then uh, the overall return on investment has been great so far. Yeah, so it's interesting you point out the return on investment. Um, as you mentioned, obviously, the public-private partnerships continue to be a very hotly debated topic. And a lot of people are um, might go as far as they kind of hostile toward the idea. But now that you've sort of shown that there can be that return on investment, do you feel like other organizations should either embrace this concept of building mixed use around the park or do you think they should even be required to do that? Well, they, they actually are, as Derek said, a hundred teams in the last 18 months. It got to the point where he and I just, we can't even spend that much time with them anymore. Right. We've got, you know, teams of our people doing that. But from all over the world, they're coming here and because they realize what we built is the model going forward, especially if you're going to go build a new facility. And, and um, you know, when now that you go from five years ago on paper, we start sticking our finger up in the air and saying, well, we think we're going to build this. We think we're going to do that. This many new jobs. Here's where we think the taxes are going to be. We have the data now. And, and we, we it's in our face every single day We're because we own this all. We know exactly what it's generating. And the numbers don't lie. The numbers are, you know, on paper what we're putting in cash into the county and the school system. It was, what was, I'm trying to recall the figure, it was about $30 million a year? So it's right now, conservatively, we're at right around $19 million a year. Gotcha. In our second year of operation, mm-hmm. that doesn't include all of our future development. Understood, okay. And they're just very, very conservative numbers. I mean, one one good number from a public side is the, the Cobb County taxpayer out of their general fund to support debt service on the stadium only, because that's where the public-private is, their original projection was $8.6 million for 30 years. Second year of operation, that number's down to $4.5 million already, because the other buckets are so over-indexing. And so, um, you know, pretty pleased at that, that everything's going in the right direction, money's going up into their system, and their debt service number's going down. And if you look around the country, I think, the other, or even around the world, part of the other thing that's, that's, that's driving this, right, is the need to do this. You ask, is it, is it a requirement? Is it a necessity? Well, the cost of building these structures has gone up significantly. And, and it's, it's not only because we as the team side want the facilities to be so great, you know, starting with the clubhouses and the locker rooms and the facilities for our players so we can recruit better players, the amenities for our fans, the overall types of things. But the fans obviously want that too, right? They want a better experience. They're going to all these facilities around the country and they're saying, hey, you know, they have that over there. We want that in our particular city. Atlanta's unique, ironically, in that, in that we've actually got three facilities housing all four of the major, include the soccer now, five of the major professional sports teams that have either Two new facilities in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and SunTrust Park and a completely transformed one in what is now State Farm Arena, the old Phillips Arena where the Hawks play. Um, all those have huge numbers associated with them, right? Mm-hmm. You go back 20 years ago, those numbers are significantly less. And so you do need, I think, a different look at how the economics of this, the return on investment has to likely come from not just the facility itself, but from the surrounding vicinity. And the big leap here is that the team, us, the Atlanta Braves, took on the risk and took on the development of what happens immediately outside of our, our venue. That, that is something unique, and that doesn't always happen. It's happening more, 
but that's that's one of those big steps. Well, and you look at, I mean, phase two is another global company, ThyssenKrupp, their North American headquarters, and now moving to the battery. When that conversation started, it was about 50 employees in the elevator test tower. Now it's a 600,000 square foot complex that we're going to build um, in, in su- uh, partnership with them. That's a thousand new jobs, six-figure jobs moving from all over the country, coming to the to Battery and to Cobb County. And what's the, the beauty of it, even more than the jobs, is there's, they'll bring 10,000 visitors a year, technicians and all of their clients from 168 jurisdictions. They stay three to five nights a, bit, a visit, and that's why we're building another hotel. So that's, again, just massive amounts of compression, economic compression in that small little area that's that's really you know producing that return. Yeah, so I'm sort of interested to ask you a little bit about, um, like you were saying, courting these global uh, companies to come and build headquarters. Can you tell me a little bit, a little bit about um, sort of the negotiations with Comcast, for example? I mean, how how that relationship came together? Yeah, you know, he and I divided yeah, so and conquered Com- these. So he <laughs> okay. had Comcast, and I had a few of the others, and so. <laughs> so, so so Comcast is a really unique one in that. They actually represent three major areas of our project and how we um, develop partnership. Um, the the first is a traditional one, sponsorship with the team. So they had advertising with us and other sponsorship opportunities with the team, and we extended that into SunTrust Park. The second is uh, they consolidated their East Coast or Eastern Division operations and put a new uh, Eastern Headquarter Division or Headquarter in the Battery. That's a 10-story office building that we did with them, roughly 250,000 square feet. They're the exclusive tenant of that. Unbelievable, beautiful facility, beautiful building, um, and they have about 1,000 people working out of that. The third is, in my opinion, the most unique and interesting, which is we have a technology partnership as well. And so what that, what that has done is, in the ballpark as well as the Battery Atlanta, we've taken their technology and woven it throughout that, throughout all the common areas, throughout the ballpark, so we have not only super fast, fastest available in a development or a ballpark, high-speed internet, and also the resulting Wi-Fi, but then we also have all their video distribution. So all the channels and, and television content offerings that they have are also available in those same spaces. And then that same kind of, of, of opportunity is also given to uh, the, the uh, tenants of the development, whether it be the hotel or, or the the apartments or the restaurants and shops and whatnot and to utilize their business-to-business type services. So there's a return for them as well for that. And it means that you have really fast, accessible technology that is barely even scratched the surface of what it's capable of. It's somewhat future-proofed. In fact, on opening day of this past year, we had everybody in the stadium, full 41,000 seats, people uploading, downloading content on their phones, easily accessible on their Wi-Fi, picking it up. And we use just 3% of the available bandwidth of our internet with everybody using it at the same time. So we have, you know, a lot of stuff to come. And that's going to be where the future is of, of how, how people, you know, kind of entertain and, and access additional amenities in those types of environments. And sure, and you want people on their phones posting things on Twitter. And exactly Facebook right. And that benefits you Great guys. social experience. Yeah, so it yeah. sounds a little bit like you already had kind of like a well of these business relationships already just from your previous park to really draw. We did. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the unique thing we did, and I don't think anyone else has done it, since, I mean, prior to us, or, or certainly we haven't heard after us, is took all those relationships we had, and we also incorporated them into the whole mixed-use development and the ballpark in the construction area. So, oh, for great. example, 
relationship with GE. All of our lights, our LED lights, you know, that are fantastic, not only in the ballpark, but all the way through the development, elevators, escalators, flooring. We brought those partners into this process. And it was a little foreign to the general contractors at first because you, you do a guaranteed maximum price with them. And then you say, OK, well, now we're going to have a different conversation. We're going to take 12 of these categories back over. And they give you a kind of a puzzled look like, well, why would you do that? And it's like, because we're going to bring our partners in this and we're going to get a better deal than you're going to get on the street. You can't find a contractor or, or a, a, you know, a building office owner that takes that type of a, of a strategic um, you know, uh, position on it. And that worked really well for us. Interesting. Okay. Well, last question is something that's near and dear to my heart. When I'm down in Atlanta and I'm visiting the ballpark, what's the best food vendor to go to? <laughs> well, you got a great option. Yeah, you yeah. got a lot of options. A lot of options. Uh, so your, your personal favorites, I well, want to know. Well, first of all, just a little background. So there's, uh, the, by the end of this year, we'll have three of the top 10 highest grossing restaurants in the Battery Atlanta. So you're not going to be alone. <laughs> there's a lot of people enjoying the restaurants that are there. I think if, if I was pushing to one or the other, you're thinking probably Atlanta, you're thinking Southern, you're thinking barbecue. Oh, yeah. What am right? I not thinking barbecue? So, <laughs> so Terrapin Tap Room is okay. the location where we feature Fox Brothers Barbecue, my personal and unbiased, best barbecue in all of Atlanta. is a partnership with those guys, so you can get your great barbecue. But also, Terrapin is a local uh, brewery that has that small little satellite brew lab, as it's called, where they brew fresh beer there. You can get yourself a Chopsecutioner, which is a freshly made beer in honor of uh, the Atlanta Braves and the Tomahawk Chop, and you can have yourself some barbecue. Terrific. All right. Mike? Well, we can get ourselves in trouble if a bunch of these guys listen to this, because we like, <laughs> we like them all, but okay, I yes. know that's not what you're asking for. It's but like trying to pick look, a favorite child. No, we're, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're fortunate. We, you know, we have destination restaurants where you know, a lot of the, the famous chefs, James Beard award-winning chefs, uh, four of them are, are at our, li our little city in the battery. So Ford Fry has El Felix, which is just an unbelievable, you know, um, Mexican uh, food, Southwestern food. And and then, uh, you know, I'm a big steak guy. So our C. Ellis with Linton Hopkins. It's done really, really well. Gets meat from 16 different places all over the country. And Derek and I got, we, we had an hour-long dissertation one night about the Vietnamese yeah. uh, pepper he brought from from uh, Vietnam or something, Cambodian and, yeah, pepper. Cambodian pepper, yeah. Nice. So, but it's it's there's Don't a lot of garden gun, garden gun, yeah. First first place uh, yard house, ever Cordish. yard house, Cordish, yeah. It's good. Right. A lot of a lot of good options. Yeah. Terrific. Well, thank you guys both so much for being yeah. here. It's been a real pleasure, and I, I hope I'll make it down to Atlanta. Please soon. do come. Yeah. And and, yeah. and when you come and we're playing the Mets, you might want to think about changing allegiances. Just yeah. just say. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. After everything I've endured, yeah. I, there's going to take a lot to get me yeah. to stop. All right. Good luck to you. Yeah. Well, we'll thank say you. Absolutely. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer Alex Cohen, associate producer Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score. <laughs>